at about uh, 11.30 in the morning, and I just happened to walk through the front door, and I looked through the back window, and I saw a guy who resembled the old pool man. And my wife happened to be home, and it was just a coincidence that the both of us were home on a Wednesday at 11.15, and I said, uh, Lynette, come here. And she said, yeah. And I said, it's always weird when you're hiding from the help, like, shit, don't let him see us, but I think that's the illegal guy we pay $13 an hour to, don't let him see us looking at him. Put a fucking throw rug over your head and crawl on your elbows up to the edge of the glass. So I was like, so I said to Lynette, I said, that guy looks a lot like the old pool man. And she went, I don't know, the old pool guy had a different hat. Because there's no way you can ever swap hats. Not, not in seven days' time. So I said, nah, the, oh, the guy was husky and kind of short and stocky, and he looks like that guy. And uh, my wife said, uh, I don't know, our guy wore a big rim hat, and this guy's got a baseball hat. And I said, I don't know, I think it's the same dude. And then I thought, wait a minute, here's how we can settle this. Did you fire the old guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, now I'm almost positive it's the same fucking pool, man. <laughs> now, I stifled myself a little bit, but let's face it, if that was one of your dude friends, you would have started the sentence with, hey, fucktard, what was the charade about? Like, how many blaps do we need to go on new pool guy, old pool guy, when you never fucking pick up the phone? Then there's this one. There's this stuff you, there's this stuff they announce they're gonna do that you know they're not gonna do, but you can't say they're not gonna do it well in advance. Uh, like on uh, Wednesday when my wife announces uh, Sunday night, homemade lasagna. Yeah. I'll make you lasagna. And by the way, ladies, you know uh, we don't believe you when we start breaking down the elements of lasagna. So you're going to boil the noodles. Then you're going to make the gravy. Then you're going to slice the cheese. Right, right. So we have that uh, big discussion. Then it gets to like, you get into that Saturday night conversation. So is tomorrow still lasagna night? 100% lasagna night. Anyway, I think we called the uh, Grubhub and they brought over Taco Bell. But again, <laughs> can't say shit, right? Then there's one where they get pissed in a situation where you're supposed to be pissed, which is uh, two weeks ago, was uh, Jimmy Kimmel's wife, Molly, was having her uh, 40th birthday. And uh, I said, <clears throat> we gotta get her something. And then Jimmy sent me an email and said, nah, she doesn't need anything. And I said, well, is there any donation or anything we could do? And he said, yeah, how about a donation to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles? And I said, fine. So uh, Saturday night, party starts at 8. Of course, it's 7.05. Or, or actually do that shit where we lie to you. Guys, you do the shit where you lie to your wife where you go like, uh, the party starts at 8 and your wife wants to know what time the party starts and you're like, 11 a.m. 
sharp. The fucking bus is leaving at 11.05. We have to be there. Um, I said to, uh, I said to her, uh, I, I said, all right, so I'll just get the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the donation. So now it's Saturday night, night of the party. It's 8 o'clock. The party starts at 8. We're going to be late. Lynette's getting ready. And I say to her, um, did you do anything for Jimmy and Molly? Did you get a, did you get a, a gift or do a donation? Because we're talking about doing the donation. And uh, she said, no. And I said, Good, because I made the donation to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles for a thousand bucks in her name. And she went, why'd you do that? <laughs> because it's fucking eight o'clock, the night of the goddamn party. And she's like, what if I did it? And I was like, you don't do anything, so... <laughs> more thing. There's that thing where they get to be pissed at you for no reason, which is uh, at the Oscars uh, the year before last, uh, Jimmy said, uh, why don't you use my dressing room, change, get into your tuxedo in my dressing room, and uh, I'll have my uh, Rodney, my, my wardrobe guy, get you the tuxedo and everything. You just change in my dressing room. And I said, fine. Changed in his dressing room, did the Oscars, did the Governor's Ball, had all kinds of fun, got drunk, won out, and uh, then at midnight, when we were done with the party, maybe 1 a.m., I said, I gotta get back into Jimmy's dressing room so I can get my pants and my street clothes, I got my car keys, I got my car down in the parking structure. Lynette didn't have, my wife didn't have any of the laminates that would get her backstage or into Jimmy's dressing room, so I said, you just sit here by the giant Oscar statue and I'll run in there and get my keys and my pants and everything and we'll get the hell out of here. And I went into Jimmy's dressing room and Jimmy's dressing room had completely been cleaned out. There was nothing in there. Somebody had gone into Jimmy's dressing room, taken every stitch of clothing, including my pants, my keys, my everything, threw in the back of his town car and they all went off to the Vanity Fair party. So then, I sat in Jimmy's dressing room and feverishly tried to get hold of Jimmy and his driver because my keys were in his car. Uh, ten minutes went by, I tracked hold of his, I got hold of his driver, I got hold of Jimmy, they're going to make a thing. I came back outside, Lynette was sitting there and she was ripped shit fucking pissed. And she said, what the fuck have you been doing for 15 minutes? And I said, you wouldn't believe it, they took my keys, they took everything else. She went, oh Jesus Christ. I said, wait a minute, sweetheart, I'm the victim here. <laughs> We're the victim here. I know you're pissed. That's the whole thing about being a chick. Just because you're pissed doesn't mean you can be pissed at everyone around you all the time. You have to have a good focus piss like we do. That's why we kick shit. You guys are just fucking pissed like a, like a fucking sprinkler head. Just piss, 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 piss. I'm pissed at everyone. And I said to her, Slow your roll, I know you're pissed, I know it's late, I know you're buzzed, I know you're frustrated, this has nothing to do with me, they took my pants and they took my keys, and she trotted this one out. Hey, if I did that, you know you'd be pissed. 
No, I fucking wouldn't be pissed if somebody broke into Jimmy's dressing room and stole your fucking keys. I'm pissed because you leave your fucking travel mug on top of your car and drive the kids to school. That's why I'm pissed. All right. Let's do some... Oh, the socks. Bill just ate another... My dog just ate another fucking sock. All right, don't get me... Don't get me going on the socks. Um, I thought I would uh, get going with a little uh, shit that pisses uh, me off. The, um, let's see what we uh, have here. Uh, number one, let's see what we have. Oh, this is, uh, this is Burbank. I just flew out of Burbank Airport uh, today. Um, Burbank, anyone fly out of Burbank Airport? Bur it's a, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a, um, it's a miniature airport. Like, like here's how you know your airport is small. If, uh, if an air traffic controller can fall out of the window of the tower, <laughs> land on the tarmac and dust himself off and go, Jesus Christ, this is embarrassing. <laughs> Boy, am I going to take a ribbing when I get up these three steps back to the top of the tower. <laughs> That's a small airport. Uh, when you go through Burbank Airport, as soon as you go through security, you're greeted by this. This is, uh, it's Amelia Earhart, it's Amelia Earhart. Um, uh, listen, I'm not superstitious or nervous flyer, but, uh, a bronze statue of a lesbian leaning against a piece of her airplane that broke off upon impact. Probably not what you're looking for when you're walking out to your 737. And uh, listen, I'm no uh, expert in the. Uh, well, first off, is there uh, is there a person under 40 who knows who this is? Like, you do. You're under 40, you know, you're the only woman under 40 who knows who this is. Because everyone else is like, oh, uh, oh, we're going to meet at the airport. All right, I'll tell you what, I'll meet you by that dude leaning against the oar. <laughs> yeah, there's a, that statue of the bronze dude leaning against the paddle or whatever he's holding up. I'll meet you by that dude. I am uh, I'm no expert on the placement of Velvet Road, but <laughs> my policy would be if you can stand outside of the Velvet Road and lean against the thing that's protecting it without making contact with the Velvet Road, you've done a piss poor job of the placement of the Velvet Road. What do you, you think some uh, troublesome teens are like, we're going to go down to Burbank Airport and steal Amelia Earhart, throw her in the back of the van, and then they get to the airport and they're like, oh shit, a velvet rope. But, oh, oh, forget it. Let's go to the park and light a hobo on fire. We're going to be able to negotiate this. All right, what else we got here, Mike? Oh, this. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, wait till I'm in charge. I'll be fucking pulling DNA off this shit. Remember the DWP guy who played? I mean, first off, how disgruntled must you be as an employee to go, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take this manhole cover and I'm just gonna, oh, fuck you, city of Los Angeles. It's goddamn painful. This is one block away from my shop where I do my podcast, and every day I pass by this, and every day I have to put my fucking wallet in my mouth so I won't have a seizure. <laughs> what kind of maniac? What kind of maniac does this? Uh, this always makes me think. So, uh, and, and listen again, when I'm in charge, I will. Get some DNA off this. I'll figure out the guy who put it this way. I will. I will. I will declare it a citywide holiday. All the kids don't have to go to school that day. We can all go down to the Staples Center. I'll find this shit. We'll put him right down in the middle of the fucking floor where the Lakers play, and I will cane his ass. And then I'll go any goddamn questions. I always. Uh, I always think about this because, uh, you know, at Guantanamo Bay, they actually stenciled in an arrow that faces toward Mecca. There's this literally, at Guantanamo Bay, they, they took an arrow and they stenciled it in so you know where, where Mecca is. So the uh, good folks in the PJs over there know what direction to face when they're praying 26 times a day. Uh, if I were the guard at Guantanamo Bay who was in charge of the Mecca stencil, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to have a little fun. <laughs> Which way is Vegas from here? <laughs> oh, it's the opposite direction of Mecca. And then I'd just face it that way, and every day during lunch, I'd just sit there on a folding chair eating a pulled pork sandwich <laughs> laughing my fucking ass off. Just 500 guys all facing some chick in a nickel slot machine. <laughs> what else we got here? Uh, oh, uh, you guys should be so glad you don't live in L.A. It's every mailbox has this on So this is this is my mailbox. This is the mailbox that is down the hill. You know, you have your local mailbox. This is my mailbox. This is the one that's down the hill from my house. And I was my wife was uh, dropped me off at uh, Burbank Airport to be freaked out by the lesbian holding the door. And uh, we came to this, and I said, uh, oh, oh, take a picture of that. Somebody drew a dick on the mailbox. And she said, why? I said, would you please just take a picture of the cock on the mailbox? And she said, what for? And I said, just take a picture of the dick on the mailbox. And she said, what kind of scrapbooking you into? <laughs> just take the picture. So uh, she took the picture. And uh, by the way, the uh, no uh, no right on, on on a red. I have driven through two hundred goddamn thousand of these things in my life. Fuck the man. And uh, you know, listen. Uh, 
not calling myself a hero, but we should all just ignore these goddamn signs that the man puts up. And then, then there's all the pussies. You know the biggest pussy in the world? The biggest pussy in the world is the person that's behind you when you do something illegal and they honk. Like they go, two, and you're like, what? And they're like, I'm a conscientious objector or whatever. I'm like, the fuck, you want me to circle back with a fucking fruit basket? You asshole. I'm breaking the law. I'm a fucking outlaw. I'm a madman. I believe in getting places. I'm criminally insane. And what would they do? Like these people, uh, when they're on the bus with Rosa Parks and she wouldn't give her seat up, would they be like, oh no, you're in trouble? And I'm not saying I'm better than Rosa Parks for driving my Jaguar through this, but, but it's, it's a tie. admit that. If she were here, she'd admit it. I like the part where you know what people would say when they're not here. If she were here, she'd say the same thing. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. So, uh, dick on the mailbox. So, Kimmel lives, at that, at that time, Kimmel lives next to me up on the hill about uh, a block over. And uh, I'm over at his house on a football Sunday. So I go to Jimmy's house on Sunday and watch football and get drunk. By the way, Jimmy has something in his backyard called a cake orator. And, like, I didn't think cake could get any better, but then you put a raider behind it. Now, like, you had me at cake. It's not like someone said, hey, you want to come over and watch football and eat bratwurst? Yeah. We got a cake. A cake? A raider. I'm there. So, uh, I would go to Jimmy's house, get drunk, and watch football, and I said to uh, Jimmy, I said, uh, hey, Jimmy, I don't know if you noticed, but our mailbox, the mailbox down the bottom of our street, got a big golden cock written on it, and uh, did you notice that? He goes, yeah, I did see that, and I said, uh, let me ask you this, Jimmy, uh, in Europe, when they graffiti a cock, you think it's cut or uncut? <laughs> trying to draw a division between us, but that's why I'm up here and you guys are down there. Like, it would make sense that they left the foreskin on, like in France, when somebody, you know, defiles a mailbox with a cock. You know? And Jimmy, Jimmy because he's Jimmy, but I'm just backstage going, there's a Twitter war going on between Jimmy and Sean Hannity right now. And I'm like, what the fuck is Jimmy doing? And Mike August this one, it's Jimmy. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right, yeah, it's Jimmy. So I said to Jimmy, you think they leave the cock uncut? And uh, or or draw draw up. And 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 I think he's gonna laugh and we're gonna we're gonna move on. And Jimmy doesn't miss a beat, he goes, Absolutely not. They draw the cock the exact same way we draw the cock in Europe. And I was like, did you go on some sort of bike tour through Europe? <laughs> <laughs> we just looked at graffiti cocks. Like, where, where's your insight come from on this one? I'm curious how you know definitely that they draw their cocks the same way we draw our cocks in Europe. And he said, no, they draw them the same. And I said, please tell me 
how you know and why they draw their cocks the same in Europe as we draw our cocks on our mailboxes here in the U.S. of A. And he goes, because they never draw limp cocks. They only draw hard cocks. And we draw a hard cock, the foreskin pulls back over the head, and they're all drawn the same. I was like, have you been preparing for this conversation? Like, is this... Like, I was looking over his shoulder, like, is, is your cue card girl Courtney back there? Like, what? Could you... Did you have this chambered? Like, have you been walking around with this answer for the last 20 years? Like, they draw the cock the same. And I said, now listen. Then I dug in. Because I stood my cock ground. I was like, uh... Hey, listen, Jimmy, I've seen several thousand hours of Swedish erotica, and I can tell you right now, penis can be hard and uncut and a circumcised. And then a, uh, a vigorous cock debate broke out, and then at some point we were both uh, shamed by uh, Jimmy's cousin, Sal, who said, uh, Hey, uh, can you guys take your hot cock argument out onto the patio? We're trying to watch a fucking Raiders day. <laughs> and so we did. Oh, this. All right, this. Now, listen. We have any lawyers here? Yeah. Up in the cheap seats. There we go. You choose. You Wisconsin choose. Oh, wait a minute. You got. You guys like lawyers or you are lawyers? You're lawyers. Okay. Uh, a pox on you for ruining everyone's luck. <laughs> I, I was in, when I was in Wisconsin, last time I was in Wisconsin, I was playing Milwaukee, I was sitting in my hotel room, the show was like at 8 o'clock at night, I was sitting in my room, it was like 3 in the afternoon, I was like at the airport, Marriott Suites or something, I was just waiting to die, and I looked up... <laughs> And I saw this fucking thing, this placard that hangs under every single fire sprinkler. Let me show you where this thing was located on the wall in the hotel room. <laughs> this TV set is sitting on a bureau that's four foot off the ground. This thing is 11 feet from the earth. Like, how's that work? Like, oh, what am I going to do with this wet towel? No, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll get on Shaquille O'Neal's shoulders and he'll get a mini tramp and he'll get a uh, Chinese acrobatic team and I'll hang it on this fucking thing. But don't worry, I'm going to get a fucking nosebleed and, and frostbite if I get up to that altitude. Like, I'm definitely going to have to get some oxygen on if I get up this high. Now listen, lawyers. I get the don't want people hanging bathrobes on fire sprinklers, but ones that aren't accessible with them, that you would literally need to get that rolling A-frame ladder from Home Depot to get to, really? It's all getting tacked on to the cost of the room, isn't it? And then, uh, let's see what else we got, Mike. Yeah, this is the one I like. <laughs> Where would be a super convenient place for me to hang this towel? Let's see. Why, there's an empty closet filled with coat hangers that are welded to a rod. That'll never do! I must hang it in front of the front door so it can drag along my face and uh, get mildew and herpes on my forehead when I go in and out of the room. 
The, uh, the other thing I noticed when I was uh, in Milwaukee was the front door for the hotel room. So again, my life is just an endless cacophony of just sort of sitting around and looking for things to be upset by. And I was sitting here and I was looking at the, I was looking at the people up here and I was like, all right, that's the people. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this people doing down here? More lawyer stuff. Add another four bucks to the price of the room. And so I was sitting in there and I started getting angry. And I was like, what the hell do we need one of everything for everyone? Why does everyone need their own goddamn people? Who's using this people? Who's in this room that's this high? And then I, like, I stopped myself and I was like, alright Adam, Relax, maybe, there's just a little person, and they're traveling on business. There's like, you know, a dwarf on business. Like there's a cotton candy convention or something. <laughs> Whatever, I, I don't know what they do for money, but, but they're traveling for business, and it's like a little person, and he's staying at the room. Should he or she, like, should the, the little person, should they have their own people? What's so fucking wrong with that? These are Americans, they pay taxes, they travel, what's wrong with that? And then I thought, wait a minute. What are the chances another dwarf has come to rape them? Because <laughs> isn't it pretty much just gonna be like, I don't recognize those balls. <laughs> Turn around, let me see your asshole. Oh, that's it. I didn't order a Denver omelet. I'm calling the front desk. Alright, what the... Uh, oh, this one. Alright. We don't have any Mexicans here tonight, do we? Good, good. I mean, fine. I mean, great. I mean, okay. Yes. I mean, who cares? Uh, I laugh about this because this this is. I, I went to the uh, <clears throat> I went to NASA uh, the the uh, I went to the uh, NASA outside of DC a few weeks ago, and that's where they run the Hubble telescope and blah blah blah. And they were explaining that uh, after they retired the space shuttle. Uh, now it's retired, they have to do everything robotically. And I was like, oh yeah, it's retired. And then I realized it is at the Air and Space Museum in Los Angeles, and they actually trucked it in. Like they drove it straight through LA, and they, they got on like the 405 freeway, and they just drove it right, right down. And I thought to myself, we really missed an opportunity. Because if we were smart, when that thing was on the 405 freeway, right by LAX, they could have just gone down the 405, another 50, 60 miles, and been right at the Tijuana border. And in which case, they could have pulled right up to the Mexican border, and just done a couple of victory laps, and then went, oh, this old thing? Oh shit, we're done with this. 
it's obsolete. It's like, uh, you know, grandpa's uh, flip phone or an old tandy computer. No, we're retiring this shit. Yeah, uh, by the way, uh, put down the tequila and uh, pick up a math book and maybe you could have one of these things one day. Just a little, no, don't clap. No, go ahead and clap. No. Just a little victory lap of what, uh, you know, governments that aren't corrupt and a little focus on education will do for you. And uh, then I thought, uh, then I'd be like, well, you know, Mexico, we don't need it anymore. We're pretty bored with it. It's uh, archaic technology for us, but uh, we lend it to you, but uh, I don't want to come back in a week and uh, find it all uh, graffitied up on blocks. Uh, Nine-year-old sitting in the pilot seat doing this. Donkey pulling it around in the circle. <laughs> We're just going to bring it back to LA. What else we got here? Oh, this. Yeah, this is, uh, this is my car. Uh, there's a thing and uh, more lawyer stuff going on. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, every car made in the last 10 years or so has to have this T-handle release. Because you know all those times you're loading up groceries and you trip and you end up locked in the trunk of your car? It's for those occasions. It happens to me two, three times a month where I just have to <laughs> So now they have this T-handle so that I can release the trunk from inside the trunk. Uh, or when you're abducted by Al-Qaeda and they throw you in the trunk of your own car, you can uh, escape. I don't have any problem with this. It probably adds 500 bucks to the cost of every car, but fine. My problem is the T-handle comes with instructions. <laughs> There's a lot of things you have to tell me, but fleeing uh, isn't something I ever really need to be coached up on. Like, if I'm just in my driveway and I feel an ether rag over my face and then everything goes blank and then I find myself bouncing around in the trunk of my own car and I stumble across this glow-in-the-dark T-handle, I'm not going to pop it and then sit on the edge of the trunk going, and now what? <laughs> we are world champion fleers, the Corollas. This... The arrow part, I don't really need the arrow part. I feel like eventually I would go that direction, but it's certainly... And then, by the way, like, where does this end? Like, uh, call the authorities, hug your wife, you know, tell your kids you love them over here. Like... Alright, like, what else, uh, what else you got? Oh, this is, uh... This is Los Angeles. What river do you guys have out of here? The Wisconsin River? God, I hate it when it's super obvious. <laughs> we got the LA River. It is, uh, you guys been? It is, it is majestic. Oh, man. World-class trophy fishing going on over there. Like water sports, you know, like jet skis, canoes. I mean, it's majestic. I got to tell you. It is. <laughs> This is 
what passes for a river in Los Angeles, a, a cement flume that carries fecal matter to the sea. It's basically, they're calling this a river, and now when I, when I think about, by the way, is there any sadder tableau than the kids' Easter basket in the middle of the raw sewage? This is the LA River. They call this the river. And then uh, it makes me think about that sign. And I realized, oh, now, I see, I used to think this is one of those birds that just, like a heron or a crane or something, like that just stood on one foot. But now I realize that bird's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> this time I put my foot down and stepped on a syringe. <laughs> Some hobo shit. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> That's in L.A. That's, that's what we call a river in L.A. It's majestic. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, this. <laughs> this is something you would pass on when you're taking the space shuttle to Tijuana. This is, this is what you would have passed along the way. Uh, by the way, a couple things. First off, um, you don't have to tell me not to run over Mexicans. That's that's hardwired. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't even love Mexicans. I just have a high deductible. Like I got. I mean, either way, you know, it works out. But what I'm saying is, like, I don't need to have read a sign that says "Don't run over Mexicans." That's uh, God built that uh, into the brain there. I would, uh, I would uh, posit that this sign has probably caused more fleeing folks to get run. Maybe they just got let out of a trunk. <laughs> maybe it's like a huge, maybe Tijuana is like a huge trunk and it just popped open and they, they fled. But I would argue that this has caused more people to get run over than to save them because I'll bet there's some old timer and it's like, uh, Oldsmobile that drove from uh, L.A. to uh, Mexico uh, once a month, and he probably just drove there for the last 40 years, and at some point he's motoring along at 70 miles an hour, and he looks up and he sees this sign, and he's like, huh, what is that? I don't remember seeing that sign. Kajunk. <laughs> Porchadas all over the windshield. <laughs> What's going on? And by the way, uh, listen, I don't want to go all uh, make America great again here, but uh, we ain't worried about the one kid. Assume <laughs> there's a few more kids. Uh, in there. <laughs> I think it was just the one who would have a problem. But, uh, Oh, and by the way, I talked to Sean Hannity, by the way. This one's pregnant. <laughs> the triplets, all right? That's how it works. It's called chain migration, people. Another uh, thing you see around uh, Los Angeles uh, quite a bit is uh, this. Do you guys have those uh, rolling memorials out here in True. Madison? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's like... It's Kind of a Hispanic thing. Uh, here's what I want to say. Like, uh, hey, we have any Mexican folks here tonight? Yeah. Okay. Let me, all right. All right. So listen. Um, Whitey, 
the blue-eyed devil. <laughs> we have people die on us all the time, but like when my grandpa died, I didn't take the urn to the roof of my car <laughs> and do laps around your fucking house and depress the shit out of you. Understand? This shit is depressing to us. What white people do. What white people do when somebody dies, we uh, we shed a tear, then we eat, then we talk shit about the dead person. Boom! <laughs> well, it's the grieving process. We're done. You got to get into this shit all the time. You make me do the math, and then. <laughs>
This is uh, me uh, in uh, the late 60s outside of uh, Chatsworth, California. Uh, first off, you're going to notice the theme here. Uh, little to no prep for the photos. Like, yeah. We've got a lawn chair looking for a place to die. Can we get another right? The hose pulled out. Can we get a deer carcass or something to throw it on there? If this area looks familiar, it's because we rented a house just above Spawn Ranch in Chatsworth, California. Spawn Ranch is where Charles Manson and Tex Watson and the rest of uh, his cronies all live. So my dad rented a house on a hill above Charles Manson's uh, shack, and this is where I grew up. Now, uh, I don't have this, uh, this, uh, car anymore, it's, uh, <laughs> but I miss it, I, I lost my virginity in this thing, <laughs> got my first DUI, and going out a telephone pole, and fucking left it for dead. Uh, what else we got here, uh, right? Alright, here's, uh, here's, here's the family, this is the family, uh, this is, uh, this is my dad looking like uh, Sal Minio in a pleather vest. Uh, this is my mom when she was sort of holding it together. You'll see her come undone in a few pictures. <laughs> we'll wait to see. Way to the 70s hit this bitch. <laughs> but, uh, I, Really, like, 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 like Eddie Murphy and the uh, uh, Nutty Professor, just fucking boom, beads flying everywhere, gray hair, underarm, fucking hair, I'm gold. All right, uh, this is me. I was a uh, merchant marine. I was just home for that. <laughs> uh, so a couple things in this picture uh, that make me laugh. First off, look at this bounty that God has blessed. <laughs> Nobody puts nothing on a potato like my mom. <laughs> and nothing but the finest shit as well. This smash China. And nobody cooked up a pot of air like my mom. <laughs> a dynamo in the kitchen. This, this woman could do anything with oxygen. Look at that. I was looking at this picture and I was picturing my grandmother and I was like, Wait a minute, where did she get this outfit? It looked familiar. And then I thought, Shirley Partridge. <laughs> but then I thought, wait a minute, there's an even more recent reference. <laughs> it's the exact same fucking <laughs> First off, uh, look at my dad, look at my mom. Look how deeply in love these two are. <laughs> and look, I don't want to bum anyone out, but if, if these two can get divorced, anybody can get divorced. I mean, look how deeply in love these two were. Uh, look at my dad. My dad's just like, geez, uh, how about we just sharpen one of these corn cobs and I just fucking fall on it right now. <laughs> My mom, 
is so passive aggressive and she hates her mom and her mom is the one who took the picture. So when her mom, Helen, stood up and said, one, two, three, cheese, my mom went, yeah, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> There's no way my mom didn't know a picture was being taken. My, my grandfather's head's about to fall off. He's cranking it over so hard. And then there's me. You'll see a theme of me and this guy trying to hold it together while these two horrible people come undone. But here's all I want to tell you. This, this is what my parents looked like when the camera was out. <laughs> This is them painting on a face. This is when the camera was out. Imagine the veiled depression that fell over them when the camera went back in the goddamn case. Oh, Jesus Christ. But this is Laszlo. Laszlo Gorak, Hungarian Jew. Hungarian Jew. A great guy. He's from the old country. Not, not blood related. But he's my step-grandfather. I never met either one of my biological grandfathers, so he's the only grandfather I've ever met. And he's a good old dude who's cooking and, like, trying to hold the shit together, but he's got to deal with these two extras from Billy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he's having a hard goddamn time. My sister is just starting to think about running away. <laughs> Like, I'll give it another 36 months and then I'm going to blow this taco stand. <laughs> Next picture. This is, this is my all-time favorite picture because we were at Gabi's house. Gabi is Lotzi's Hungarian nephew. Gabi was a parole officer. Gabi was bald back when bald guys were scary. And he fucking yelled a lot. And he was yelling. Now, the thing that's crazy about this picture is Gabi is closest to my sister. His daughter, Kim, looks like she just plots herself. Uh, Son David looks like he's going to uh, Mexico. I look like I'm from Gone with the Wind. Like I'm like clutching, literally clutching pearls that I don't even have. And my sister, fresh from the methadone clinic. This person was dead inside, right? Look, my sister is just completely checked out. There's an large, bald Hungarian parole officer screaming to get this reaction out of three youth, and there's my sister. Now, we can set the runaway clock for about nine months for her. Alright, next picture. This is why I don't know how to spell the three there's. <laughs> spell one of them, I'm just not sure how to use it, but this was my school. This was not hippie runaway cam. This was my alternative school I went to in the 70s, where you did not read or write. There was an emphasis on throwing dirt clods and seeing how much niacin you could take. Now, uh, interesting thing about this picture. Now, once again, a theme has, has arisen. There is me, aware 
aware that a picture is being taken because someone got a fucking camera out and said one, two, three, and snapped the picture. The people who don't know a picture has been taken are the two people who arranged the picture. This guy and this woman actually arranged and orchestrated the picture, but not them. I don't think we'll be facing the right direction. We're that high on peyote. And look at the lovely, look how lovely this is too. Like, hey, can we get some more trash cans here? Can we get like a dismembered prostitute or something in one of these cans? This is uh, the school I went to. I did not learn to read, I did not learn to write. At some point, I got thrust into public school and that's when it started to come undone because they actually want you to read and write and do things of that nature. Uh, this is uh, the house I grew up in. Now, a couple things. Um, You'll notice that uh, my dad transitioned into the lead singer from Boston. Again, the 70s, ladies and gentlemen. And my mom turned into a lesbian Mo Howard. I told you the 70s were going to be tough on the Corollas. I grew up in this house. This house is in uh, the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. It was about 750 square feet. One bedroom, one bathroom, two front doors. Do you know anybody that has one bathroom but two fucking front doors? Like, I sure hope there are two people that don't need to shit really bad that are coming into this house. Because they, they're going to be very upset when they get to that one bathroom. Two goddamn front doors in this house I grew up at. Uh, you know, we had the, uh, yeah, we had the, the, the fucking, the sprinkler you drag, like, so I was like, drag it around and turn it on and time it and everything. Yeah, the front, uh, the front lawn was usually all dirt. Mike, Mike, do you have the, uh, jump in the bike picture? I'll, I'll, I'll show you basically. This is, thank you, uh, a couple things. Uh, the reason I show you this picture is, A, I look cool. <laughs> Uh, B, I look cool, I understand you're going like, first thing, no fucking helmet, uh, just a baseball cap, and a little, a little something called gumption. Uh, this is our front lawn, by the way, it is a dirt front lawn. Uh, the ramp is like a plank and an ironing board and some stumps from somebody who cut a dead tree down, and we just fashioned the whole thing up there. Uh, this is Dad's uh, $400 car uh, over here. And the reason I laugh at this is because uh, this picture was taken when I was 11, maybe 11 and a half or 12. My son is 11 and a half or 12 and a fucking full-blown pussy. He, <laughs> he literally... He went in with my wife the other day to go attempt some yoga with her in the house and then quit because he said it felt too dangerous for him. 
He literally pushed out on home yoga. No fucking helmet, no elbow pads, no knee pads, no lawsuits, no fucking nothing. Just a good old run, some blacktop. And by the way, when you'd land, you had to immediately stop, otherwise you'd slam into one of those front doors. <laughs> that was uh, my mom's house. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little tour of the inside of the uh, uh, inside house. This is the kitchen. Oh, oh, just, just, just. To take in the, the, the grandeur and the, the, the majesty of it. Couple things. First things first. Here's the deal. When your wood grain starts wearing off to just fuck it, like when your wood grain just goes beige, like I don't care if it's a stick shift knob or a steering wheel, when your fake wood turns to beige, it may be time for a new floor. Uh, here it is. Just lead paint crumbling everywhere. This is the entire fucking kitchen. I have no idea why we had a mobile dishwasher. This fucking dishwasher, we didn't have a built-in dishwasher because, uh, you know, we weren't living in a triple-gated community. And even with the white privilege, we still couldn't afford a dishwasher. But we got secondhand a mobile dishwasher, and my mom would have to roll it out, pull the hose out, fucking hire a plumber and, like, hard plumb the thing, plug it into this spigot, do the whole thing. And by the way, she didn't cook and we didn't entertain. I have no fucking idea what this thing was doing here. Uh, I'll uh, give you a tour of our one bathroom now. This is it. Uh, notice, now, yes, the TVs are a new addition. We did not have those growing up. This is, this is from the 80s after I moved up. Notice the copious use of caulking around this tub. <laughs> At some fucking point, you have to get a razor knife and a, and, a, and a heat gun and go with some new goddamn caulking. This is literally my stepdad to put this shit on with a flip flop. <laughs> How fucking scary is this shower? Ah, this is this is the one. This is the one bathroom. Um, what else we got here? Uh, this is uh, oh yeah. Let's um, let's go through my social security. This is this is good. All right. So you guys got your uh, have you got this thing in the mail? Your social security earnings? Yeah. Never got it. All right. I've got it like I think I got it like twice or something. But it is every penny. I've ever earned from the time I started getting paid. So on one column, it has like deductions or whatever, but if you look all the way to the right, that'll be what I made for the year that year. And I thought we should just sit through this wreckage and uh, take a look at my life in black and white, and we'll see how the journey went. Starting in uh, 1980. All right, now keep in mind, this is all the money I made in 1980. Uh, I worked at a little uh, out-of-the-way burger joint. I don't think they have them out here. It's called McDonald's. And fucking cuticles still smell like onions. So I worked at Grill. And a uh, couple things. Uh, I was in the 10th grade. Uh, I applied for a job at the Taco Bell up the street from me, but I was told I was not Taco Bell material. 
You'll be the source of much ridicule on the job side. Like, uh, hey, Poindexter, why don't you bring that giant Brainiers over here and see if you can get this gravy stain out of this car. Okay, Brainier? Mike, do we have my, uh, do we have my GPA? Like, this is literally, I, I, I... <laughs> this is my GPA. I went back and got my transcript. Now listen, everybody. I went to North Hollywood High for three years back then. Six semesters. I had six semesters, football, baseball. We football and then baseball every year. And they would just give you an A. And if you played sports, they'd just give you an A and, and draw a line, and that was it. So could you imagine this GPA minus six A's, number one. Number two, I didn't even, I'm so fucking stupid, I didn't even know what this number was for. I came in 497 out of 570. And I guarantee you, at least 40 of these people either moved back to Virginia or Guatemala or were clipped on their moped. And like, I, they, didn't, they didn't finish. They didn't, they, I was in like 497 out of probably 515, like honestly. That's how goddamn dumb I was. But I'm now on my own, and I'm working, and I'm moving out, and I'm gonna get an apartment, and a futon, and a motorcycle, and uh, the next year, I get into construction, everybody. Look out, yeah. You know, I, I look back at these pictures, and I'm like, what the fuck did I ever get late? That's my Datsun, not Nissan, my Datsun with my, uh, with my uh, bed box on there. Uh, by the way, this is not my bathrobe. I could not afford a bathrobe. Somebody gave me the bathrobe and I was missing a sash and I could not afford a sash. I literally just walked around with one hand clutched to it like I had a, a hernia bulge or something. But eventually I put a dress belt around this thing. It was not... Not that comfortable. All right, so now I'm on my own. I uh, got my uh, motorcycle. I'm living in my apartment. I'm making eight bucks an hour digging ditches and tearing stucco off of apartments. Let's see, the next year it comes. Ugh. All right, what happened? How does uh, a guy whose parents don't know, don't care, and don't have any money, and is living on his own in uh, Los Angeles, how does he survive on zero dollars a year? Uh, one year, paid under the table, put a kitchen on my grandmother's house in North Hollywood, my grandma and grandpa's house. I built this kitchen in like 1985. That's my contractor saw. I built the whole goddamn thing out in their yard and uh, did it all under the table. My grandmother paid me 10 bucks an hour. She used to bust my chops. She was a super brassy ball buster. And one day, I remember very well, we were working in here and we we're almost done and it was uh, during the summertime and I was getting ready to put on some primer on the drywall. And uh, my grandmother comes in, and she's wearing nothing but a blouse and socks and no pants. Just a big old 
pillowy grandma underwear thing going on, the pink person thing going down there. And instead I said, uh, I said, Grandma, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm here to paint. And I said, you're here to paint? She said, yeah. I said, where are your pants? She said, I don't want to get paint on my pants. I said, but the, you can't paint your underpants. I said, go, 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 go to your painter's pants or something, your work skirt or some shit like that. And she said, she said, I'm a grandma. I have skirts with sunflowers on them. I don't want to get paint on it, so I'm painting in my underpants. And I said, uh, okay. But for Christ's sake, stay off the lap. <laughs> so he painted uh, the, the kitchen, and the next year came around, and. Uh, <laughs> this is me doing earthquake rehab work for the city of Los Angeles, $19.51 an hour. And I'm like, I'm fucking rich. Who needs an eight ball? I think I'm going to lease a Pegasus. Let's get some ogres up in this apartment. This is an awesome, and, and, and by the way, this is just the beginning. This is a rocket sled ride to the moon that's never going to end. Never. Never. It's not fun. Now, I'm no financial planner. I would just call this a lateral move. Christ, like I was the guy at the supermarket going, uh, is, is it just the top ramen? Do you have any bottom ramen for sale? Because top seems a little too rich for my blood. Am I making up bottom ramen or yeah? Um, all right, now you got to keep in mind, you got to keep two dates in mind for me. Uh, one is 1992 will be my 10-year class reunion. So nobody wants to be a loser for their 10-year class reunion. So that's, that's a date that's looming. And the other is 1994. 1994 is the year I'm gonna turn 30 years old. And in my mind, I thought, Look, who cares? You're sleeping on a fucking futon. You're working with your grandma in her underpants. You're doing all this shit work. You've got a bathrobe, but you can't afford a sash for your bathrobe. But by the time you're 30, you got to have something going on with your life. And hopefully it doesn't involve tools and stucco and uh, illegals and digging ditches and all sorts of shit. But something, by the time you're 30, you got to be doing something with your life. So we'll see how those two days work out. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> fucking brutal, right? <laughs> it's so weird when I sit around and people lecture me on my white privilege. I just want to fucking pull this thing out and go, what part? What part? <laughs> you don't get it. Your dad held the door open so you could make nothing. <laughs> come from a long line of guys who make nothing. You were born on nothing base and thought you hit a nothing. <laughs> this is great, yeah. All the nepotism to get the fucking nothing. Awesome. All right. Let's see what happened the next year. Yeah! All right, now I'm going to 
crossroads in my life. I got my truck, I got my toolbox, I got my lumber rack, I'm starting to work, I'm getting a little business going for myself. And everyone is saying to me, hey, get your contractor's license and make it official and hire a few guys and get another van or something. And I'm like, I don't want to do it, I'm going to do comedy. And they're like, are you nuts? Get a contractor's license, marry a fat chick, move to Simi Valley, it'll be awesome. No, I think there's more. I think there's more. I want to do comedy. And they're like, it'll never work. So I said, fuck it. I'm not getting my contractor's license. I'm going to work on comedy. And the next year, rolled around. <laughs> now, again, let me put things in perspective. This is 1990. So you got to adjust. This would be like making, you know, $11,000 today. So. <laughs> Maybe eleven five. All right. Next year, we're coming up to my 10-year reunion. <laughs> Not exactly the springboard you're looking for. When you're, you're going in your 10-year reunion, there's doctors and lawyers that were in your graduating class at this point. All right, 10-year reunion and... Uh, <laughs> uh, the... The top part, I remember the 10-year reunion very clearly, like the old spaghetti factory in Van Huns. The, uh, the tough part, you know, the problem is when you're pulling down this kind of coin, <laughs> you don't know if the ladies love you for you, or we got a gold digger. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I showed up, it's like MacArthur returning to the Philippines. Like, okay, ladies. How are we going to work out this whole blowjob thing? Do you want to go alphabetically, or should we just go by height? How do we want to do this? Uh, I remember at the end of uh, the 10-year reunion, I was just drunk, standing by a urinal in a suit that I borrowed, and uh, my buddy Ray at some point just turned and started pissing on my leg. And I was like, come on, Ray, I borrowed this suit. And he's like, old times. And I was like, you're right. It's a reunion, you peed on me in high school, and now it's official. Yeah, that's right, bylaws are bylaws. All right, now, 1994, that's the year I'm gonna turn 30. The uh, dream has not exactly worked out thus far. Let's see where we go from here. And then I'm turning 30, and then... All right, all right, now, there is some good news here, because about three weeks before my 30th birthday, I met this dude. Yes. We just did a Google image search in this podcast. <laughs> Evidently, he was doing a uh, photo shoot. He's been a cover of, uh, God, I can't remember. He's not even into hunting, but there's this magazine called Bear. They fucking love it. He doesn't hunt. I, 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 don't, I don't know the magazine, but evidently these bear guys just fucking love it. Uh, I met Jimmy, and uh, I met him because I trained him to fight in a boxing match. So I was uh, working as like a part-time boxing trainer. Yeah. Oh, that's us. Yeah, it's such a crazy fucking thing. He should pull those shorts up a little higher. <laughs> I can only see one nut, Jimmy. You really need to hike those things up a little, a little higher. I, this is K-Rock. This is me uh, working for uh, 
place called Bodies in Motion, and it's like executive boxing, whatever. Jimmy was, I trained him to box because I just called the radio station because he was, uh, he was fighting Michael the maintenance man. And uh, <laughs> by the way, I didn't want to train Jimmy. I wanted to train Michael the maintenance man because Michael the maintenance man was there for like three or four years and judging by the title maintenance man was probably a brother. I'm just doing the maintenance man math. And thus, usually, uh, you always bet on black. There's Michael, the maintenance man. There's Jimmy. There's me being amused while Jimmy gets his shit kicked out of him. I, I sent Jimmy out for the second round without his mouthpiece, which was funny, because I remember like standing there going, hey, why is there a mouthpiece in my hand? And then I thought, did we bring an extra mouthpiece? And then I thought, oh no, that's his mouthpiece. Um, couple things about this fight. First things first, I had trained Jimmy for like three weeks. We didn't do anything. We just drank Snapple and talked comedy the entire time. I, I, I met his wife uh, at the time, uh, Gina, at this place in, uh, it was called the Country Club. It was uh, in Reseda. Jimmy dubbed the fight the Bleda in Reseda. <laughs> It was funny back then. Uh, I met his uh, wife, Gina. I said, uh, listen, you're Jimmy's wife? She said, yeah. I said, I, I know you're concerned. I'm sure you're worried. Do not worry. They're 16 ounce gloves. He has a full headgear with a, with, a, with a face guard on it. Your husband will be fine. And she said, I hope that guy beats the shit out of him. <laughs> and she was fucking serious too. So. <laughs> Known this would end up in divorce. Uh, the, the couple things about the fight. The judges were Adam Sandler, Pat O'Brien, there's a young Adam Sandler, and uh, that's Kevin and, and Bean, uh, that's Bean, that's Kevin, and yeah, what the fuck, everyone loves Kevin and Bean, and that was, and, and the third judge was John Wayne Bobby. <laughs> the guy got his dick cut off by his wife. And by the way, John Wayne Bobbitt, much more famous than Adam Sandler back then. <laughs> John's movies are a little funnier, but no reason for him to be... I just, just a quick sidebar on John Wayne Bob. I do not admire the man. And I do not condone his behavior. He was uh, physically abusive to his wife, so his wife cut his dick off because he was physically abusive to her. Uh, she cut his dick off, she jumped in the car, she drove down the highway, and she threw it out the window into a field. Uh, somebody found it, probably a dick-sniffing dog. <laughs> I imagine they have to have gay dogs, and I mean, it stands to reason, and they must be better at sniffing out cock in fields. I'm, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm not, a, I'm not Marlon Perkins here, I'm just, I'm just guessing here. But he then got his cock sewed back on, later on, remarried, and was convicted of physically abusing his next wife. As a matter of fact, had multiple convictions of physical abuse in marriages after he got his cock cut off. Now, 
I do not condone this activity, but this man's got intestinal fortitude. I mean, you want to talk about laser-like focus? My thing is, is if I do something and my wife cuts my dick off, whatever that behavior is, I stop. Like, immediately. Like, if Lynette came home and said, hey man, I came home the other night and the garage door was open, uh, now I'm going to cut your dick off. Guess you would never forget to close the garage door. This one. I, I, uh, once you cut my dick off, that's the end of whatever behavior you cut my dick off for. But not John Wayne. He's so committed to abuse. I think you got the general direction of that joke right now. <laughs> Literally was convicted two more times. Or maybe he was thinking like, well, what are the chances of getting my dick cut off again? He's got the dick cut off twice. It's fucking nearly impossible. Like, I'll just stand in the same spot the lightning hit already. What the fuck? Ah, oh, sorry, where were we? I, I trained Jimmy to fight. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy lost the match, but uh, he got me onto the radio. And uh, the next year came around, and I was like, oh, I am now officially the richest Corolla of all time. <laughs> I told Jimmy, listen, I'm going to grow my beard out. I'm going to learn to play the acoustic guitar. I'm going to buy some uh, land in Plentywood, Montana. I'm going to fuck runaways. Like, I'm going to start a call. And uh, Jimmy said, no, no, stick with it, he said. And the next year rolled around. Holy shit. I, first off, I didn't even know they had this digit. I was like, once you get to five nights, it just rolls over to zero again, right? Like uh, the odometer on an Oldsmobile, right? I was like, holy shit. Uh, I went on a kiss my ass tour of North Hollywood and lasted almost nine months with this. Like, I would just walk down the streets of my hometown going, did we go to high school? Kiss my ass! <laughs> and the next year, let's see, and the money came in and I met Dr. Drew and started doing Loveline and eventually we got to, where are we? Yeah, yeah, like here, right? Alright, so. I, uh, I realized, I started thinking about my grandfather, Laszlo Gorak, good old dude, old uh, Hungarian Jew. And I thought, you know what, I love this dude. And he was the only one that was ever good to me. And I thought, now he's in his 90s. He's an old man, and he thinks I'm just a loser who had the bathrobe with no sash, who painted his kitchen, and was making 10 bucks an hour during construction. And I said, I've got to tell my grandfather before he dies, I've got to let him know that his only grandson is successful and making tons of money and working in Hollywood. So, because um, he doesn't have, no one in my family had cable, basic cable, or listened to K-Rock radio, or they didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. So, I drove down to my grandfather's house, still living in the same place in North Hollywood. He's old, his eyes are getting sticky, you know, and I said, uh, Grandpa, I said, yeah. I said uh, listen, I don't know if you know it, but I'm making a lot of money now. 
and I'm working in Hollywood and I'm making a ton of cash. And he said, you are? And I said, yeah, I'm rich. And he said, you're rich? And I said, that's right, I'm making a ton of money in show business. And he said, are you making a million dollars a year? <laughs> and I said, no, you old fuck, I'm not. <laughs> And I walked back to my car. I remember I was like dejected. I was like, "Yeah, you know, you're paltry five hundred forty-three thousand dollars. Like you're such a fucking loser. You devastated your poor grandfather." <laughs> the next year came about. For my grandfather, I was like, I gotta hustle over to that old fuck's house and run his fucking nose in this shit before he dies. So I went back to my old uh, Hungarian Jew grandfather's house, and now he's like 94 years old. And I said, uh, Hey, Grandpa. And he said, Yeah, I said, Remember last year? I told him I was rich, he went off, I made a million dollars a year, and I didn't make a million dollars a year, and he's like, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, guess what? This year, I made over a million dollars. And he paused, and he looked at me, and he said, money doesn't buy happiness. <laughs> Fucking Jews. That's what they do, right? That's why we don't like, I mean, some people, uh, he gave me the fucking jujitsu. He used, he used my own momentum. That's, this is jujitsu. It says you take your own momentum and pow, threw me down and choked me out with my own key. Well, the uh, years uh, rolled on and the uh, money uh, came in and, uh, it's really not about uh, making the money. Uh, I'm not making this kind of dough now. You know how you know? I'm in Madison. I'm a fucking... <laughs> I should be home right now. I had a goddamn layover in Salt Lake City. There's no fucking way I'd do that if I was... No, no, no. I love Fuck that. No, this is bullshit. No, what I'm saying... What I'm saying is this. Uh, the money is just a byproduct that comes in when you're doing what you want to do. When I was doing this shit, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, and uh, thus it was reflected in the payment. Uh, down here, I was doing what I wanted to do, and it was reflected in the payment. And the, I want to do something, and people give a lot of super shitty advice when you want to do stuff. Like, they do a lot of... Uh, Hey man, you having fun out there? If you're not having fun, man, if you're not having fun, you better not be doing it. Yeah, yeah. What's fun about this? What was fun about making this kind of dough and working in this world? And then the other one that goes, you gotta believe in yourself. Do you believe in yourself? You gotta believe in yourself. Really? I had to believe in myself. What kind of insane person would believe in themselves? Making $4,000 a year swinging a hammer on a construction site. I never had fun. I never believed in myself. I just put my head down and I just started walking forward. And all I'm saying is, is you guys all have something you want to do and I would like you to start doing it. 
Wait, what day? Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's, it's Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, wait, tomorrow's Saturday, right? Alright, so fuck it. We're not starting. We got the weekends. Weekends, big UFC five. Is Monday holiday or is it just a regular day for Alright. Monday! We hit the fucking ground running. Uh, not first thing. Some of us aren't morning people. Let's say. Come back someday and find her Maybe I will I should write down a reminder One day
Hey everyone, check out all the great deals on Amazon by first going to d2rpn.com and clicking the Amazon banner. By doing so, you're helping out the D2R Podcast Network. Don't forget to tell a friend and thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. If your guy or girl's got some facial hair that's kind of not smelling right, not feeling right, not all that great, go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got scents that every guy and girl will like. Every kid likes to play with your beard. Why not give them something to smell nice as well? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com and give somebody that great bird today. Question, comment, or concern? 872-242-8311. Or maybe you'd just like to hear your voice instead of ours. 872-242-8311. Then call the D2R Podcast Network hotline at USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. No matter the time or day, you can call 24-7 and operators will be standing by. 872-242-8311. Your call is important to us. 872-242-8311. So once again, USA Chat 311. 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. Please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. You enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, and spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. <laughs>